Hello, and welcome to a live coffee break on Deep Program with Carrie Smith. Thank you guys for joining us today. This is a new channel. If it's your first time here, make sure you hit like and subscribe if the algorithm brought you here. We've only been around a couple months and uh, appreciate every like. Let's see, a couple of announcements before I bring on my guest host today. I'm going to be at the Better Discourse Conference, along with my super surprise guest host today. I'm going to be at the Better Discourse Conference on April 23rd, which is happening in Fort Worth, Texas. And there's a lot of great speakers there, including uh, James Lindsay, Lauren Southern, Libby Evans, Josh Slocum, uh, Colin Wright. So if you guys are interested in that, if you're in Texas or if you want to make a trip here, you can get tickets at betterdiscourseevent.com. Um, we have finally, we've rescheduled book club. We have a date. It's the first weekend in May. We had accidentally scheduled it for Easter. So thanks to, um, thanks to two sisters and some yarn for catching that and moving it for us. If you want to be a part of book club, uh, you need to join the locals. We're going to try it on locals. So it can be a private like members only book club. Haven't ever done that before. So wish us luck that we can pull it off. Uh, what else? Wednesday, we're doing a live pop culture with Mystery Chris. And Thursday, I'm really excited. Thursday, I have an interview coming out with Martina uh, Marcota. Martina is the wife of Jack Buckby. You guys might remember Jack. I interviewed him about leaving the, the white nationalist alt-right, which was a crazy interview, talking to someone who's left that side of, of uh, extremism. And his wife is a really creative, beautiful dancer who has faced her own cancellation in the dancing world. And so that interview is going to be out on Friday. Okay. Without further ado, please welcome guest host, Mike Harlow. Hey, my love. Thanks for sitting through all the intro stuff. I get to see you twice today. This is amazing. Tell people, well, first of all, thank you for being here. Uh, last minute, uh, Greg blew off my eye doctor for you. <laughs> I know, and I'm always telling you, don't cancel your doctor's appointments, but you did today for me. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so those who thought you're gonna see Greg today, Greg had something come up with work, and Mikey was so kind to fill in. And I'm gonna be on his show tonight. This is, I have to tell you, I am more excited about this show than probably any interview. It's not even an interview, but more than any show I've done before. Tell people what oh it's about. Oh my God, I'm honored. So I think it's safe to say that we love murder. I love, I don't swear, I love murder. I love murder. So <laughs> I mean, in a true crime kind of way. So, uh, and I have, I went on an amazing show called uh, Keto and Crime that she covers all the spooky shit, all the murders, all everything. So we're doing a true crime stream tonight. We're going to sort of like play detective and delve into murders i true I've, talked, I've talked about this before there, and actually there's someone in chat you should talk to murder knits it's a it's a true crime and knitting show i've got to talk to her sometimes <laughs> i know i know i saw her here today <laughs> hello murder knits um what is it about true crime you think that fascinates it seems to be more women and maybe gay men who are interested in true crime why is that is it yeah. I think so. I don't know. As many because we're like the most likely groups to murder someone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that shows in the statistics or anything, but like. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were about to say the most likely groups to be murdered. 
I, I mean, I, unless you cross one of us. <laughs> <laughs> Usually when I ask people that question, they say, well, when it comes to women as a group on average, they said, usually people say, well, maybe it's because women are a group that's more, more likely to be murdered. And so they're, they're interested in preventing any like dangerous people from coming into their lives. And so they're trying to figure, figure out how to do that. I think also women anyway, on average tend to be really interested in people, more interested in people than things. And that, right. And they're trying to figure out, at least I am always trying to figure out what makes people tick and understand yeah. like these deviant personality types. And I think that's why. And, and as for the gays, you heard the saying, hell hath no fury, like a gay man, mildly inconvenienced. I have not heard that saying. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, let's see. There she is. No, my, my favorite one is John Bonet. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yes. Murder Nits. Thank you, lady. Gives us a super chat. She says, I'm going to be in that live chat. We'll see you later. What time is it at? It's on your channel. Eight, what uh, eight Eastern. So eight, eight times seven years. Okay. And it's you, me, and the the crime. Tracy Barkley. Okay. Yeah, so, it's gonna be great. So, uh, what what did you say is your your favorite true crime to talk Tom about? Oh. Because yeah. I remember when I was a kid, and that was just like everywhere. And I, when I was a little kid, I was afraid that like, oh, they're gonna come for me too. <laughs> but that's uh, the most bizarre case, I think. Yeah, you're a bit younger than me, um, but I do remember that was all over the news, and it's one of those I think that still fascinates any of the ones that haven't been solved. You know, mm -hmm. it's sort of still still fascinates people. I also saw you tweet that we're going to be talking about Woody Allen. Yes, because yeah. people get really pissed when I say this, but I feel very certain that he's innocent. No. Uh, you sent me a documentary to watch about him. I don't want to spoil too much for tonight, but I'll just say people should tune in because you changed my mind about him. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, I think it's very relevant to like a lot of things that are happening now. If you look at the sort of narcissistic abuse from Mia Farrow and everything that she did, I mean, she was accusing him of it a year before it allegedly happened. So. Yeah. We're going to delve into everything. What do you think of Michael Jackson? Because I actually, I always assumed him to be guilty as hell. And now that I was looking into it more, I'm like, could he have been innocent? I've always assumed him to be guilty. Me I've, too. Yeah, I saw the the Wonderland. What was it called? Escaping Wonderland. Whoa, 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 wait. What? Did you see this comment? JonBenet's brother went to my college. Because oh. I think he did it but uh, can, we need to have you on here <laughs> that's cheeky mare you should be there tonight if we're going to talk about that also look at this one murder nits i've been researching the ramsey case since yes. i was nine <laughs> what, was, what was he like in college did he admit oh my god see if i went to college with john benet's brother i'd have gotten him to confess i would i would have seduced <laughs> him i would have i would have gotten it all out of him <laughs> i don't i don't doubt that so reason. <laughs> can I go find him somewhere so I can seduce him and get him to confess? Wow. Um, there's a Texas one. I don't know if we're going to have time tonight because of all the other cases you want to talk about, but there's a Texas oh, one that, that I find chilling. Um, and they're actually, they've been filming. I think there's two different series in the works about this case. 
and they've been filming one of them in my little town. So if there's time, I'll talk about that one too. It was an ax murder that happened in the eighties Two church ladies. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty crazy one. Have you you seen that uh, docu-series, The Staircase? Yes. Michael Peterson. Yeah. You know, it's weird. So I, I watched the original one. I didn't see the ending of it that they sort of came back to it. And I think he got out or something, but so I never, I never really saw the ending, but I just was like, okay, he's clearly guilty as hell, but apparently he wasn't. No, he's guilty. That guy. Everyone's like, oh, he's it. Right? No, I, we, you probably have to make a series. Okay, now we have to get. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I used to know the guy. Oh my God. So I used to know this guy. And then I was watching the staircase series and it turns out he was like the witness for it. And he was like a male prostitute and I didn't know it. Oh yeah. That you knew that guy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We should get him on. <laughs> you just have to do. We'll have. You should. If you end up doing a, a series out of it, I I would be there for everyone. I'm available. Yes. Um, my head is full of useless facts about true crime. Me too. But um, so I want to start off with something fun. This is Crefefe Break with a dose of more frivolity. And I yesterday was Easter. It was really beautiful. I was supposed to be on Chrissy Mayer's show last night, but I forgot it was Easter when I said yes. So I wasn't there um, because my husband had an Easter show. He does it every year. And I got to go to comfort and hang out with him. And I, this is his we're, call. Thank you, Cole, for pulling this up. This is my husband's new song. It's brand new. He just put it out yesterday and we're going to watch it so I can swoon over him. Yeah. Audience. Mary John Cat. Cole, turn it up just a little if you can. I think that's as high as I got a song upon my lips. Every time she moves her hips. I got the devil in my heart. I got the warpath in my blood. I got the scalps of 50 men. It's hard to stop once you begin. When you got the devil in your heart. She broke my heart in Comanchorito. On the day he Spanish came. She took me far into the desert. <laughs> How can I be the one to blame? She's got the devil in her heart. Every time she moves her lips, it's like a tempest or eclipse. She's got the devil in her heart. Hey, listen. Couldn't you hear this in like a Western movie? Oh, yeah, turn it over. Yeah. 
the devil way out west He had a star upon his chest The posse followed us out there Forty days without no rest He said the line of good and evil Runs down the heart of every man It's only then you'll understand That you got the devil in your heart I reached for my gun, he reached for his He had that smile upon his lips And he didn't see my sleight of hand When I shot the devil in the heart I shot the devil in the heart On the day the Spanish came How can I be the one to blame When I got the devil in my heart it's good it's you see he slipped in an alexander saltz meets in line oh yeah Chicky asks if he writes the music for the whole band. Yes, he does. She broke my heart in Comanchia. Woo! I, I I just love it. I know I'm biased, but that's my kind of music, even if I wasn't married to him. <laughs> Her face. Look how cute. <laughs> it's like the violin, you know, and the only thing it's missing is I also like when bands have those big upright bass. Uh, oh, there's yeah. a lot of Texas bands that have those. But his bassist, uh, Jeremy, has I didn't know this until yesterday. That little bass guitar he has, it's like one that Paul McCartney had. I, I forget the name of it, but um, but he's in a he's in a separate band that's a Beatles cover band, and they're called the Lonely Hearts Club, which oh. is fun. And they just do Beatles songs. But then he plays with Anthony, and and yeah, if you guys if you guys like the song, you can find him on YouTube at Anthony Garcia Music. Uh, and anyway, thanks for humoring me. Oh, I love you. Yeah, guys together. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody asked what the um, what the uh, uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn line was. He pu he put in a line in there about how the line of good and evil runs down the heart of every man, which is that Solzhenitsyn 
uh, phrase, and I just, okay. just I thought it was so good. So anyway, thank you guys. That was amazing. Yeah. So what did you do for Easter? Uh, what did I do? I just cooked. I made a ham. <laughs> I never made a ham before, but it came out good. Uh, I made split pea soup with the leftovers. It was kind of low-key. You have the best food posts of almost anyone I follow. It's always oh, like, I'm honored. I have to I'm, cook. I don't think I've ever cooked for you, have I? No, and I don't like looking at pictures because they make me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, waiting, I'm waiting to be able to cook in your, oh my God, her and her new house has like my dream kitchen. Oh my God. That is well, like porn right, for me. Well, you haven't seen it since we tore it all out. There's nothing in the kitchen right now. We're remodeling oh. the whole thing, but we're making it, we're doing a whole vintage kitchen look. So it'll be, it'll be even better than what you saw. Yeah, I'm excited to go cook in there. <laughs> so uh, before we talk about stuff in the news, which sometimes like today, I'm like, I don't, do we have to talk about stuff in the news? But we will. We'll bring up Dude, some I'm things. so burnt out. Yeah. But um, I mentioned before you got on screen with me that I'm going to be at the Better Discourse Conference in Fort Worth on April 23rd. And you are going to be hosting the whole thing. So if you guys want to see my car. How crazy is that? <laughs> I think it's awesome. You have the right temp temperament for it. You're really fun. You oh, know, things moving and you're energetic and that's what you need for a host. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to let anyone get away with no bullshit. <laughs> no. I'm going to keep things spicy. <laughs> so I'll be seeing you this weekend. Time flies. I can't wait. I haven't seen you in like months. Yeah. It's been, it's been quite a while. Um, so cheeky mirror. Cheeky says, it's your show, Carrie. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. Yeah, sometimes I don't feel like talking about the news, right? I'm like, Wait, oh. can we just talk about the fact that she went to college with John Bonet's brother? <laughs> it was way more interesting than anything either of us could have to say. <laughs> what I would give, oh my God. Oh my God. I give me like 20 minutes with him. I got this. That's interesting that that's the one you're most obsessed with. If I had to pick one, uh, there's a couple. Um, the, I, it, I mean, anything with true crime, and I do have stuff. I do have stuff from the news I'm going to bring up. But since she, you brought John Bonet back up, <laughs> the, the the ones where it's kind of like the most evil that you could imagine, right? Like someone killing their loved one, like uh, the Chris Watts case, Shannon, oh, Chris and Shannon Watts, where he killed his pregnant wife and two toddlers. That is because. I don't understand that. And so, and I want to understand that better. And I think that's why those fascinate me because it's like, where does the heart, where does the human soul go so dark to be able to do something like that? Mm -hmm. And then also in a case like that, there's a lot of, because Shanann had put their whole life online, pretty much. She was always streaming mm -hmm. and pushing thrive and stuff. And so there's all this footage and then you have the footage after the fact, too, of just watching his behavior and his mannerisms when he's being interviewed by the news and by uh, there's there's one video when the cop is coming over. And that that one is just to to watch all the tells that this person is giving off is just crazy. And to be able to lie like that, to have that face that's like saying one thing with all this darkness inside of them. That. Yeah, I think maybe it's because over the last couple of years, we've really seen you and I like the worst of humanity. <laughs> so yes. it's sort of like murder is like the next uh, evolution. 
like a tiny step forward. Yes, become acquainted with some very dark people. <laughs> yeah, but I was uh, interested in it before all that too. Yeah. Dom mentioned the Cecil Hotel. What I thought was funny, I watched that Netflix series about the Cecil Hotel. And they're throwing all this shit at you. Oh, this happened, that happened. How is it related? And so you watch like however many episodes of this. And then at the end, they're like, oh no, actually she was just on drugs in this. And that's why you should never believe conspiracy theories. The whole show is literally just to lecture you. I haven't heard of that show. What is it? Is it drama? Is it? Is it it's just a like a doc true crime documentary series on Netflix about the Cecil Hotel. Okay, I'll have to look at that one. I don't yeah, know how to it, 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 watch all these episodes of it, and then the point of it is just to lecture you for believe it for considering all the shit. Because if you start watching the first episode, you're like, "Oh no, that's too crazy. That's too crazy." But then they keep going. You're like, "Hmm, that's kind of weird. That's kind of weird." And then they just lecture you for listening to anything they had that's to say. In the number of episodes. Yeah, that's that makes you feel like why did I invest my time if you're just yeah like, oh, I'm watching this? One of the uh, true crime stories that really made me think about this is around the time I was trying to figure out if I believed in something divine, like in something spiritual and God, or um, you know, good and evil, and if we have a soul and all those questions. And there was this case in New York, uh, the nanny. You're in New York. You probably remember this: the nanny who murdered the two kids that she was, had been taken care of for years. British nanny? No, uh, I think she I was- drowned them in the bathtub? No, no, this woman, it was awful. She stabbed them and waited for the mom to get home at, so she could see the mom's face. That's how much she hated the mom. And the the that case, I remember talking about it. Huh? This was a, a few years ago and then her trial happened a few years after that. Uh, and she, the thing is, I talked about it with a friend of mine who's an atheist, and he was saying that, um, so so I actually, I went with him to a lecture here in, uh, in uh, Austin when, uh, who's Sam Harris, it was a Sam Harris lecture. And afterwards, we were talking about this, because Sam Harris and my friend, they both seemed to believe that anything like that could be explained by science, that there's something wrong with that woman's brain chemically and that eventually through the wonders of science we'll be able to figure out what's wrong with people and correct it like with some type of medicine or pill or what have you and and i was talking about that with my friend and that's sort of what he was arguing and i just don't agree i don't agree that's not you're not going to be able to give a, a pill to prevent someone from being evil and i think that that our disagreement instead of being about science our disagreement actually came down to whether or not we believe in something supernatural or not because he doesn't i guess believe in evil uh he thinks it's something that can be explained medically like oh well there's a chemical imbalance or and i'm like no that's the heart that's that line that runs on the heart of every man choosing good or evil that woman chose evil and she wanted the mom to suffer and she was willing to kill two little kids to do it i mean sam harris though is just one of those people who just is in love with the sound of his own voice yeah, I, I, I can't, the thing about him is I I went to that lecture, but I haven't really ever listened to him because his voice is, you know, some people's voices don't appeal. No. His, his voice does not appeal. 
<laughs> it's hard to coming out of it doesn't appeal to me either. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. Karen. Really... Who's Karen here? Oh, hi, Karen. Yeah. Okay, so I did want to talk about this. Uh, there's two tweets I wanted to bring up. Cole, can you? We're just going to talk about some more Twitter insanity. This is from a Siren Live writer. I don't know if you saw this. Um, there's two, this guy, I think he's just trying. He seems to be, if you look at his entire feed, he seems to be just saying the most horrible things every day, just trying to maybe provoke a reaction. So this is a writer for SNL named Matthew Golden. He says, I'm sorry, but if I see you walking on the sidewalk without a mask, I will bitch slap you. The more of us who stay Riot, home, bitch, come at me. Look, yeah, look at this little bit. Oh, come at me. <laughs> the more of us who stay home, the faster this will all be over. Oh, he's writing this like a couple days ago. He's not writing this two years ago. I'm like, do you still believe this? That if you stay home, what? Oh, he says, oh, and if you are selfishly going out to bars and restaurants, for Christ's sake, have the decency to tip your servers. Oh, so he's a good guy. And, and put on shoes when you leave the house. Remember your shoes. Yeah. Yeah. This is. I, and, and look both ways before you cross the street. I think. Okay. Here's the other one. This one was today. Oh, I saw He's, that. He's got to be screwing with people. Uh, I just, I think maybe he's just trolling up or something. He says at this point. A visible Harry Potter tattoo should be met with the same degree of revulsion as a swastika. I, uh, I want their life. I want their life, these people. I mean, can you imagine how easy their lives must be? <laughs> Harry Potter is like the biggest, the most horrible thing they can think of. Yeah. See, I would think he's trolling and maybe he is, but the, I've seen a a lot of this sentiment online anyway, towards JK Rowling. Did you see what's out now? There was a tweet about it. There's a new book on Amazon. That's like a thinly veiled novel directed at uh, the turfs. And J there's a character of JK Rowling and this other woman that she knows all about like them being violently murdered. No, it's a murder okay. fantasy. There's uh yeah, there's one. So there's some woman who's uh, critical of gender ideology. Who's sort of, I guess some kind of colleague of JK Rowling's, this black woman, they literally wrote about her in this book, spe specified her being black and all this. And they write about her baby being whipped or no, her womb being ripped out by just sick as shit. Just gross, dark stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Lissa Kelly. I hate to even give that word turf any like recognition because it's Dave Chappelle said it best. Uh, the trans community makes up words to win arguments. They do. They do. It's, and it's become a slur that they use. Lisa K says, I'm not a turf. Do not call me that. It's offensive and insulting because I'm no feminist. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget. I don't know if you know my friend Mars, but uh, he's a transgender yes. man. Who's pretty? Hey guys! Dangerous rhetoric, guys. Uh, Mars, yes, I want to talk to him sometime. He's doing stuff. You touch. He's amazing. But anyway, he's a transgender man who's pretty. Who's like, I think he considers himself a conservative. And this one time, they were just like piling on him, calling him a turf. I'm like, but he's 
not trans exclusionary because he is trans and he's not a feminist because they don't even know they don't even know what words mean because nothing has any meaning to them no no well i was just thinking about lissa saying it's offensive because she's not a feminist so i think they would call you a tur <laughs> just t-e-r <laughs> that's it <laughs> well have you been watching any of the uh johnny depp amber heard trial I haven't really. Uh, I've heard like little pieces about it. I've been meaning to catch up. I think I've kind of just been disillusioned, like assuming that it, it, it the outcome is basically predetermined and she can just get away with whatever. But hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, it's, I haven't watched a lot of it. I've watched some of it. Um, Wait, are there actually cameras in the classroom? Or in the... <laughs> In the courtroom. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Nick Ricada has been doing live streams of every day of testimony. So these epic long live streams where you can sit and he's offering commentary and he has other lawyers on offering commentary and it's actually really entertaining. So I've turned into his stream every once in a while and there have been some really funny moments. Like it's kind of surprising surprising you could you could almost make a, a courtroom movie out of out of some of these characters so there was uh amber heard's former assistant testified and that was funny that woman was like I, I don't have a clip of that one i'll just tell you she was she was stone cold serious business obviously hates amber didn't have a smile on her face at all during any questions of, about amber and then as soon as they started asking about johnny depp she was like Oh, I remember his red suede shoes. And she was like completely. I mean, I think her testimony was pretty damaging to I'm Amber. I watch that. But uh, so she was a character. And then this guy, this guy is an artist who Johnny Depp met and then put up in one of his houses. I guess he has lots of houses where he lets people live. And he put this artist up. And th so this is one of his good friends. And they, there's a, there's a bad word in this. So we're just going to warn anyone because I know some people listen with kids. There is a C word in this um, just so you oh, know, but, but this guy's funny. He's people were calling him like the Joe Pesci of the trial. So I'm going to show you this Mikey. It's a real New Yorker kind of idea. Any of this was filmed. Yeah. It's all, all, it's all live. It's all live. Okay. So watch you. You're a New Yorker. So I thought you'd like this guy. Amber, uh, with the term cunt. <laughs> like to her face like to her face oh my god maybe in a maybe in a text uh... alright did, did you do it more than once in a oh, text I would, have, I would have no recollection of that I mean he's called me a cunt in, uh, <laughs> in, 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 I don't know how many uh, uh, texts. If there's something specific, if you can show me a text, that will be a different story. I don't, but I don't, you know, we've had many texts together, many kind, you know. Okay, let's go to line 57 then, of the section 57 of the uh, exhibit that I have in front of me. <laughs> Oh, God. Now, this is a text message between you and Mr. Depp. Do you see that? She's oh, getting 
slaughtered up here. <laughs> you go down to 50, go to the one that's number 57. This is from me to him. I'm sorry. May, may I approach? Okay. <laughs> what, like to a face? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. What a brilliant answer. Uh, <laughs> this guy's this guy's good. He's he's good. He's because uh, he, he's not dodging hard questions. He's not doing it, uh, or he doesn't come across as dodging. Right? What like seems like somebody you'd want to hang out with. He's fun, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, that's what you want, man. The jury's got to be sitting over there acting like we're. They're going to be like, yeah, this is funny. And he's he's fun, but he's also he's believable. Believable, yes. He's like maybe maybe called her a cunt in a text <laughs> message to me at some time. I mean, he's also called me one. I, I, frankly, I am. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, I uh, like that. Uh, you know, uh, was she good at putting on makeup? She couldn't be. She had to hire someone. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Are you on? Yeah, you can stop it. Thank you, thank you, Cole. Yeah, so that was he's just amazing. One He's so funny, unintentionally. He like the assistant. You, no, so he is an artist. He's a friend of Johnny Depp's. He's an artist that Johnny kind of sponsored and put up in a in in one of his homes and helped support his artwork and is a longtime friend. And so there are other funny, like they they mentioned one of the other moments where um she supposedly had these bruises, but what that she took photos of and was saying, you know, look, I this is from the abuse, right? But they've been making a case. They've been arguing that perhaps the bruises were put on with makeup because when he was there that day that she supposedly had the bruise, they interviewed him about when he greeted her, he kissed her on the cheek. He didn't see a bruise. And they were asking him, the lawyer just kept asking the same question over and over. You know, you didn't see a bruise. Well, how, how close, how uh, firm was the kiss? And he's like, what do you mean? Why I kissed her on the cheek. They're like, so how firm? He's like, what do you want? The torque? Do you want the torque of the kiss? <laughs> and so he's kind of just become this unintentionally funny character. They asked him about if she was good at putting on makeup. And he said, well, she couldn't have been that good at it because she had to hire somebody to do it. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know if you guys in the chat have been following this, but uh, it's Does pretty it interesting. There's any hope of uh, her being held accountable for her shit? I don't know. He previously had another case that he lost in the UK. Um, so yeah. if, if we're to go by that one, he it seems like it's up in the air. It's one of those he said, she said things. But I'll tell you, I listen to on on YouTube, there's a, people can find it if they search for it. There's a There's a recording that she made of one of their arguments and it's really disturbing, especially, I mean, if you're interested in true crime, I'd give it a listen because what's incredible about it is sometimes, how can I phrase this? I think there's something wrong with her. <laughs> I think she has some type of, of sure. aber aberrant personality. And sometimes those, those kind of people, they're very good at manipulation, but they also sometimes shoot themselves in the foot. They can't tell when something looks bad. And so she clearly recorded this thing to try and make him look bad, but it doesn't. It makes her look 
awful. And so you have to wonder if this is what she was like when she knew she was recording, what was she like when she wasn't recording? It, it's a recording where she's trying to, uh, it seems like she's trying to pull him into a fight and she's yelling um, in the course of the call. It comes up that she had hit him the day before he says, well, because you punched me she, and, and then she equivocates and says, I didn't punch you. I just hit you. I hit you. And it's like, what's the difference really? I mean, you're going to equivocate over that. And then, and then she, uh, she, he also, it comes up in the course of the call. Basically she's upset and angry at him because whenever they have an argument or a fight, he goes into another room and tries to get away from her. And he says, and he's like very calm throughout it all. And he says in the course of the recording, he says, well, I go in the other room because you throw pots and pans at me. Like you throw things at me and she makes excuses for that. And, but you know, doesn't deny it. And so over the course of that recording, you find that she initiates physical violence against him more than once. Um, and then she, in the middle of the call, she drugs him. She's like, oh, you look like you need a Xanax. And you can hear a pill bottle opening and she gives him one. And oh, God. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I don't think that if they, if they play that, I think... Um, I think he stands a better chance, honestly, that recording that she made. So, I, I really think, though, it just goes to show how there's such a double standard when it comes to abuse between male victims and female victims. Yes. I mean, she's still working. She's still being cast in big movies. She hasn't had to pay any price for this. Whereas, you know, we're talking about Woody Allen. There's one very suspect allegation with no evidence that I think has been pretty disproven. And he'll never work again now because of it. Um, so I think a lot of times when uh, when a woman is the perpetrator or a man is the victim, people just don't want to hear it. Yeah. Well, she even says in that recording, no one will believe you because you're a man. That's right. She says that to him. And that's the thing. I think you get a lot of sociopathic females who know that and take advantage of it. Yes. And they claim this is happening because I'm a woman. They try and claim that group status thing, you know, yeah. to, to latch on to that, that, uh, narrative of oppression that, that society is currently running with about different groups. Who is, I saw our dangerous rhetoric friends. That's the thing. Who's Jimmy Seville. Why do I know that name? Oh, Jimmy Seville was now someone correct me in chat if I'm wrong. He worked for the BBC and he was a notorious pedophile and he got away with it for so many years because even though it seemed to be one of those everybody knows situations, it was like a Harvey Weinstein thing where people just kept quiet and let this guy abuse people because he was famous. Um, Dangerous Rhett says, do you want me to call in? Do you want, do you want me to send him the StreamYard link? Sure. Dangerous Rhett. Hold on. I'll do it. But do you have to read some chat? Well, Jesus. Hmm. For decades, Jesus. That's what somebody said. He was doing this for decades. Uh, Dangerous Red, I'm going to send this to you on Twitter. Mikey, can you read some chats while I do this? Let me see if I can get you this link. Jimmy Seville, pedophile for decades. Jimmy Seville was a huge children's TV show star in the UK. Who turned it. Ugh. Yeah, that's it. Pedophile, but also necrophile? Oh, I didn't know that. 
Somebody else said it's also necrophilia. How? I think sometimes, I mean, you and I, like you said, we've tangled with some darkness ourselves um, in the past couple years. Yeah, and I think I think what happens is uh, it really helped me understand things like like Jimmy Seville and like Harvey Weinstein because you when when it eventually comes out and there's a reckoning if there's a reckoning everyone is sort of like oh yeah we knew and and you wonder like well how did all these people let that predator keep predating and I understand why now I get it because it's usually fear they have a fear of the person. The person destroying them, destroying their career, going after them, defaming them, attacking them, harassing them, whatever it is they're afraid of. Um, and two, I think it's I think it's um, avarice. I think it's greed. So th I think those are the two reasons that motivate people to be quiet and to enable monsters because they want something from that monster maybe, or they don't want to be targeted by the monster. And so you'll see entire like groups of people in a community who just let that monster continue predating as long as it's not happening to them. Mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, a lot of people choose to turn a blind eye to things they know. I've lost a lot of respect for quite a number of people over the last year or so. Yeah, but it teaches you a lot about human nature, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I've started to realize, like, <clears throat> when I see someone now who has um, weak moral character i it took me a while to realize that's the norm <laughs> that's not i used to think that was the exception it's not that's the norm and so it's sort of like okay when i meet someone of strong moral character i'm like wow like that really stands out to me now like that person has a backbone and they have a good concept of, of right and wrong yeah it is pretty rare uh okay i sent this to you dangerous right on your on your twitter if you want to join us um, there he is. Oh, it's Brentley. This to you, Dangerous Red, on your... Hey! No, it's both of them! What happened? Hey, I'm just going? chilling over here oh, on my Brentley. computer. But... I love how you guys moved and you got with the same camera. Hey, no, it's both of them! What you, got, you guys have an echo. Yeah, sorry. I had to uh, close the other... That was the Brent. other window. That was me. Brent's fault. That's okay. <laughs> Yeah, we're not sound guys, man. I can't wait till we get like a real sound guy someday. It's, the show's gonna be awesome. Move your ass over. Yeah, let me see both. So for we haven't had you on deprogrammed yet. So for anybody who doesn't know who you are, I've been on your show, um, Dangerous Rhetoric. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? I'll let Brent do it. Uh, so Dan and I started Dangerous Rhetoric last year. We just had our like year anniversary and uh, we've just been trying to like have conversations that we thought were important about a variety of subjects. Um, and the long form seems to be necessary because we like to get into the nuance and the details and the history and we like to ramble and then we like to see what you know, our guests think about those same subjects. So it's kind of our new tagline is the conversations that they don't want you to hear. Stylistically, I would say we're definitely, I guess, inspired partly by like Rogan and Tim Pool kind of mixed together in a way, but we like to have just conversations, let them flow naturally. We'll ask questions and stuff, but a lot of that stuff we just come up with on the fly and we're like, we just invite someone on and we just talk, you know, and we, and we see where it goes, anyone who resonates with us and about a lot of different stuff, you know, everything from like 
aliens and ufos and that weird stuff and religion and metaphysics and philosophy to the, the political stuff the woke nonsense uh, authoritarianism totalitarianism history and how does it all fit together right to get a clearer picture of what our reality is and what we're living through yeah so with jimmy saville there's do you want me to get into it <laughs> yeah <laughs> who the hell is he so he was a very famous BBC broadcaster. He was on radio um, for decades in the UK. And he was like a family name. He would be like uh, our equivalent of like maybe like a, you know, Dick Van Dyke or uh, somebody like a famous night, like late night talk show host or somebody like that. Um, or like a Howard Stern, you know, or, you know, he was, he was at that level. He was very popular. Um, and he was incredibly well connected to all of the British establishment. There's this guy, Lord uh, Moundbottom. <laughs> Mountbottom. There's sorry. Name. Lord Lewis Mountbottom. And okay. he was another notorious pedophile who was connected to uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher and Jimmy Savile. And they had this little coiter, it was like a little group. And uh, you know, Margaret Thatcher was connected to him and the entire British establishment is very well connected and, and they have a lot of familial connections too that go back generations. Yeah. And of course we know their connection to the, uh, the Epstein affair and all that stuff. So through Prince Andrew and it, it, when it, it just sounds kind of ridiculous when you start talking about it, like every time I, I you talk about these names and these connections, it looks like that meme where they have, you know, the Charlie day, yeah, like, like all the little, <laughs> And they're already putting the, the tinfoil hat on you, you know, the people who can't hear these subjects without already having this preconceived notion of what this stuff means, how deep does it go, etc. And immediately, if you talk about it, you're dismissed as like a Q nut or this or that. And, you know, we could say some things about that, too. Yeah, like in the <laughs> yeah. chat, like Adam is talking how Mombatton was connected to Prince Philip. It goes back and there's so many details. Like we could sit here and talk about this one subject for hours and hours and hours, but we won't. There are a lot of creeps out there, guys. So many no creeps. Idea. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people who enable creeps. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. Yeah. Somebody mentioned, and I, I, I don't know the full story, but I do know there was a lawsuit, the um, Johnny Rotten. No, don't ruin Johnny Rotten for me. What did he do? I said, don't ruin Johnny Rotten. No. What did he do? I don't know who Johnny Rotten is. There's allegations uh. against Maynard from Tool. There's allegations against Marilyn Manson right now. He's going, I mean, that's not that shocking. No, <laughs> no, no, Johnny Rotten. No, 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 no. Johnny Rotten is the good guy in this story. Yeah, he is. Yes, he oh, came out. No, he came out against Jimmy Saville, and he's called uh, him out, and he's called out the BBC for uh, allowing him to predate for so long. That's yeah. right. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna. Need, that's probably why I haven't heard. But him. look, a lot of people, I guarantee you, like especially in the Hollywood circles, these people know. They see them. They see the young people at, at the parties, and it's like an open secret. They've all, they all fucking know. That's all. Sorry, a curse, but it's also okay. They all know. <laughs> so if you if you look up uh, on YouTube, there's a clip from 1978 with Johnny Rotten warning oh, no. about Jimmy Seville <laughs> from this Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols. Wow. And yeah, he yeah, said, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So he said in this interview, um, oh, whoa. the BBC cut this part, but you can find it now on YouTube. Yeah, Brent, Brent found it. He says, Jimmy Seville. Oh, do you want to play it? 
Uh, yeah, I can. Put the put the um, so. link in the in the private chat, or if you know how to share your screen, you can do it. Order. Have you guys ever seen some somewhat of a parenthesis? But have you guys ever seen the creepiest clip on YouTube of Leonardo DiCaprio when he was a little kid on the set of Growing Pains with this yes. guy who has been revealed to be a pedophile? Yes. And then talking about their relationship and they're they're acting like they're a couple. They're talking like they're in a relationship. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. He he's probably been abused and maybe that has something to do with why he's always with younger women and kids mm -hmm. to like hold a stable relationship and i don't know you know but you have to wonder how many of them were abused and then became abusers as well later and it's an open secret like i said they they know about it a lot of these folks in hollywood and and obviously the deeper circles beyond just that right pop culture but they know there is it's there it's just this unspoken thing unspoken yeah also uh Russ wants us to know it's save it, Seth. Okay, never mind. I ne I never pronounce names right. It's okay. Um, really quick, I just want to put the super chat up before we hit play. This is from Epic Mike. Thank you, sir. He gives us five bucks and says, "Love the channel, love the show, love what you're doing. Hope to see you on the main event again. Blessings." I would nice. love to be on the main event again. Okay. This looks like this might not be the 1978 clip. This is with Morgan, but they'll probably show it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's see where it goes. I want to completely turn left field here. An unbroadcast section of a BBC radio interview you did in 1978 recently came to light, included on a, a Pill album. And you were talking about making a film where you kill famous people. Now, it's never been played on television before. But it has a particular uh, relevance. Let's listen to this. So who else is on the Connor list? Oh, it's no, endless, endless, believe me. me. I just I want just to make a film, film of it. it. On film, I'd like to kill Jimmy Savile. I think he's a hypocrite. When I write... I bet he's into all kinds of seediness. <laughs> we all know about, but not allowed to talk about. I know some <laughs> rumours. You can stop it there. will be allowed out. That's interesting. Yeah, wow. there's an echo to it. You can stop it there. But that was the that was the gist of what he said in that 1978 clip that they cut, where he said he would like to kill Jimmy Savile and that he was into all kinds of sick shit that we're not allowed to talk about. And he was banned from the BBC for a while because of that. Also, side note, like he's old as dirt, but he can still get it. Oh my God, Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> I would hit that. I don't care if he's 107. He's a wood? Okay, he's a wood. <laughs> but that's of course he is. He's an eternal wood. You know, with Jeffrey Epstein, we saw something very, very similar, but, you know, the an Americanized version. And instead of being a media personality, he was this, like, eccentric, like, hedge fund manager guy who, like, we still don't really know where his money came from. It, and obviously now, in retrospect, it seems to have been from blackmail and, and other, you know, connections to intelligence agencies because if you look into Whitney Webb had did an amazing deep dive in uh, Robert Wax Robert Maxwell who is Jelaine Maxwell's father had deep and long decades long connections to the Israeli Mossad and you know so through them to the CIA and that was one of the reasons why he got the sweetheart deal in like 2006 I believe was the first time he went down uh, was because I somebody it was nine was it 
it was early 2000s but the... i think 09 was when he got out but he had like a really cushy arrest i mean he basically was right you're talking yeah. you're talking about maxwell's father we're talking about Epstein. uh no Epstein when he was oh, okay. the first time that he the prosecutor in the case was told that he was basically an asset of intelligence. Um and that, that when he was asked years later why he gave that that deal to him, that's basically what he used as like as defense. He was like, Look, somebody came to me and told me that he was, you know, working for the other guys. So I just kind of did what I was told. Um, you know, as these government types often do. But how many what stuns me is the incuriosity of the general public in not caring. I mean, Ghislaine Maxwell was convicted how many months ago now of sex trafficking kids to who? To no one. To no one. And no one cares. No one cares. I mean, other than people like us, nobody in the mainstream culture cares. Yeah, I th but it goes back to what I was saying earlier. They know. It is an open secret. And it's. I'm sure there are some who care. But once you're involved in that world, especially Hollywood and that sort of thing, you know, threats do go out and people do die and people do disappear. And yes, it sounds like the movies and that sounds crazy. But when you really dive into this stuff and you read about it, that's that's a very real possibility. And There's a, they threaten your kids. They threaten your family. In, like in the 80s, this scandal came out called the Franklin scandal. And there's a book by this journalist, uh, Nick, Nick Bryant, and it's by the same title. It's called The Franklin Scandal. Uh, and it describes a very similar case, uh, disturbing in Omaha, Nebraska. It was in the late 80s. This guy who uh, had connections to uh, his name was Larry, Larry King, Lawrence King. He was an African-American businessman in Omaha, and he had connections to this credit union, which was called the Franklin Credit Union. It was a very popular credit union, especially among African-Americans in the community at the time, because it was like, you know, they, they were coming together and they were making loans to, uh, you know, African-American businesses, helping them get off the ground. So it was very popular. And it turned out that this guy, Lawrence King, had been using it like a piggy bank uh, for many years and running a child trafficking uh, operation out of a local orphanage with help from the uh, the local cardinal. That was it was a you know Catholic orphanage. So there's, there's all kinds of history here. And that's just like one other example. Um, yeah. And it's it's disturbing when you start to get into it and then you sound crazy when you start to talk about it yeah <laughs> it's like point. talking about the great reset people look at you like you're insane <laughs> and just, just Trudeau talking about the great reset <laughs> yeah yeah uh holly s gives us a super chat ten dollars thank you lady says i love true crime more of this yeah. holly yeah, we, eastern we, we, tonight so you can yes I can have I can send you links for days if you, they want to send me a message on on Twitter. My DMs are open. It's at it's underscore Brentley, and I'll send you all kinds of links about all these things. <laughs> what? So before you guys, about sorry, I just want to say I want to know about his necrophilia because I love necrophilia. <laughs> no, I mean I mean the subject of the sick people. <laughs> Personally. I That's haven't seen that in my readings. I've only, so I've mostly what I've read about, about Mr. Saville is the accusations against him in terms of violating children, which were, came from adults many years later and the uh, connections that he had to rich and powerful establishment fingers in the UK. And, you know, from Margaret Thatcher to in the Royal family with Prince Philip through Lord Mountbatten, uh, and and again, the, the thing with Mountbatten was he was uh, connected to another 
Catholic, I believe, orphanage over there who was in, engaged in a very similar operation where they were abusing orphans and children who did not have anybody with them through the use of this like third party institution uh, where, you know, they're supposed to be protecting these kids and finding them suitable parents. Instead, they're actually trafficking them out to wealthy, you know, elites. Yeah. I think, I think when you mention you guys are talking about, um, society that most people don't seem to care. It's, there's a, there's a crazy phenomenon that I, I, maybe it's always been around. I just started noticing it the past couple of years. You, and you guys can tell me what you think, but the media has done such a great job at directing everybody's attention, right? Like, so we only talk about or care about, and I say, we, I don't mean us for, I mean, culture, society at large. We only talk about what they point the camera to. And so they didn't point the camera to Epstein. They didn't point the camera to the Maxwell trial. The fact that they're not going to release the contact list and all the people that she, they were pimping these, these girls out to, they're not going to release that list and nobody cares. And they, we saw the same thing with the origin of the coof, you know, because they mm -hmm. didn't point the camera at like, yeah. where did this virus even come from? So I think nobody cares. I think this is why I think this is why as soon as that video was put out and made viral George Floyd, George Floyd, that story was immediately spun in the way that it was spun because stuff like opposing the lockdowns and that stuff was affecting everyone the, and trafficking children. If there's one thing people can like unify on, it's we want to protect our kids, right? We want to make sure our kids are okay. These are issues that can very much, yes, bring people together across those divides. And that's what they don't want course so they need to touch on point the camera at a wedge issue and then keep hitting that wedge to make sure that the attention goes there that's exactly what we saw happen i mean think about how all of this stuff was breaking right about epstein around mm -hmm. the same time right that the elections were happening and they shut everything down and all that was happening at once and they know they know exactly what they're doing yeah and i'm gonna bring one more book up and i'm gonna do it on carrie's channel right now because there's a lot of people watching but Propaganda by Edward Bernays. Um, every chance I get, I tell people to read it. Read it. Edward okay. Bernays was, uh, I believe he was the nephew of Sigmund Freud. And he basically took the crowd psychology theories of Gustave Le Bon and Freud's theories and fused them together to create this sort of uh, idea of a formalized method of propaganda, um, how to sell an idea, to sell a product. And he worked with um, corporations to help them sell things, but he also worked with politicians on campaigns and that sort of thing. So yeah. the reason I bring this up is people need to understand the methods that are being used against them. And they need to understand the type of material that people with lots of money and power are also studying because they want to understand the mass mind and they want to understand how to mold it into a particular direction to push this button or that button. They want to know what is that mechanism and how can I uh, control it? And the yeah. more you understand about those methods, the less susceptible you're going to be to that shit when it, when you encounter it, we're all susceptible to some extent, right? To propaganda, but the more you understand the methodologies being used, the less likely it's going to work on you. I'm going to add that book to the list. Thank you. I uh, just want to put this super, or this is just a chat from Jules. Love Mikey's face reading the comments. What were you reading, Mikey? He went into the hospitals for the corpses. Wait, wait, <laughs> if that's true, I believe it, man. I believe it. This one? Oh my gosh. 
And there's another one too. Like apparently everyone knew this shit except us. There's probably weirder shit than that. Whole hospital stuff. Rituals and stuff like that. These people are into the occult. Like, don't think they're not. They are. I've been. So saying see, that. I'm like, okay, so like, <laughs> I at first like, when I first hear started hearing about that shit, I was like, oh, that's bullshit, whatever. But then, like, you know, like if you read the Podesta emails or something, you're like, hmm, that's weird. That's weird. That's weird. What is that? What's that supposed to be? Like, I don't know. Yeah, there's some code yeah. in there for sure. Glass eyes that <laughs> he would stuff. Like it's a, it's a oh my god! You guys in the chat keep blowing Mikey's mind. You got to keep all those horrific details out of there. <laughs> there is so much dark stuff out there and weird stuff, you know, and you just have to keep your mind open and obviously don't be so open where your brain falls out you know it's a rabbit let, let me ask you guys before you joined us which by the way this is my first surprise impromptu hey you want to come on guest <laughs> it's a record for this little channel um and uh anyway before he joined us mikey and i were talking about i'm going to be on his show tonight which is a true crime show at eight o'clock eastern and um i was asking him because i've asked people this before i wonder why it is it seems that it's more women and maybe gay men who are interested in true crime. Have you noticed that? And do you, and, and if you have noticed it, why do you think that is? Uh, you know, I haven't really thought about it. I, Me I know women <laughs> I know women addictive. In true crime, like the shows, but now that I'm thinking about it, like everything Daniel and I have watching have been like fictional versions of true crime. We just started uh, outer range, which is on uh, Amazon prime. Yeah. And we like sci-fi and like paranormal stuff. And, but we read a lot of not just that stuff, but true crime stuff and about the psychopathic mind and criminal mind. And it's funny. I didn't really and... think of like elite, like child trafficking stuff as true crime. I never really like it is it, though. It, it is, is what it is. Yeah. I never yeah. thought of it like that. I just more of like, uh, you know, just very conspiratorial. Like that's kind of always. Well, that's my, because my that's interest. the box we get put in, Brent. It's. It I like it. I'm like, so used to being put in the box that I just like, like I'm, I'm in the box. At this I'm point. out of the closet <laughs> as a conspiracy theorist. Like I just, you know, yeah. I don't see anything wrong with it. I just. <laughs> I'm a conspiracy realist. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, plenty of real ones to talk about. Look, history is a series of conspiracies when you really think about it. And I've been saying this for years, but the more I've looked at history, the more that's what it feels like to me. Because it's just people with power or people who don't have power but try to get together to get power. They get together behind closed doors and they come up with a scheme to do that. It's. Well, it probably yeah. goes back to what Peterson sure. said, you know, how women yeah. are more interested in people and That's what I thought. Are more interested in things. That could be it, yeah. Elizabeth knows what's up. Yeah. Oh, she says because women and gay men need the tea. They need the tea. <laughs> we do like <laughs> the gossip. I don't know. That could be it. And because women and gay men, vindictive. Yeah. So we're watching, <laughs> plotting how we would need to do it someday if we needed to. There might be some truth to that, perhaps. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just uh, for me, uh, for me personally, it goes back to a question I've always had since I was young is uh, what is evil? Yes, that's what, what I. What is evil? Like what makes people do some of the horrible, terrible things that I started to realize when I was younger? Like I remember uh, reading Night by uh, Ellie Weisel. Weisel, I can never say his name correctly. Uh, when I think I was in 10th grade when I read that book in high school and it left an impression on me. It did. Yeah. 
and one you of the copy thing- of Ponderology in here. Uh, we'll do somewhere, but it just it made me really dig into that question more than I had had beforehand. And other books since then have done the same thing, far deeper than than that book. But that's one of the first times I can remember really thinking and asking myself that question deeply: What is evil? Can I can I ask you? Uh, and to Mikey also, I'll throw this out to all of you. Uh, this was something that we were talking about again before you joined us. Is um, what is I, I have the same question i think it's what is evil what's the nature of evil what causes a person to be consumed by it and to do something horrific like in the case of the chris watts uh, uh murders you know murdering their family and i had a friend i was telling mikey i had a friend who is atheist and he took me to see a sam harris lecture and we talked about it afterwards because he doesn't believe in evil so he believes that when humans commit acts that we call, that we characterize as evil and immoral, he thinks that's some kind of chemical imbalance in their head and that one day science will be able to solve that, solve the problem of evil. Uh, how do you three respond? To, do you believe in evil? I know that all of you are somewhat open spiritually. I've talked to all of you about, I don't know. Let Mikey go first. Mikey. <laughs> Uh, after the last uh, few years, oh yes, I believe in evil. I have seen it. I've seen it take the form of uh, screaming bald ladies. I have seen it take the form of rotund butch women. It comes in many forms. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it kind of goes back to though. I've never understood the whole thing about why. I, I, you can tell you guys are back in New York, sirens. <laughs> um, I've never understood why religion and science have to be mutually exclusive in the eyes of people. Like, you know, could they have something to figure out? Sure, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah. My mom said something interesting because she's religious. I was talking about it with her. She was like, she was like, the devil is it doesn't exist. Like it's not a person. The devil comes in the form of other human beings. Like I think that's possible because yeah. there have been some. There's some. You know, sometimes you encounter people and you're like, God, how, how could someone be like that? Why are people like this? Like it's just so incomprehensible. And that, and they're not even the murderers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think murder is just the extreme of evil. It doesn't really tell us exactly what it is. Uh, your friend mentioned science, and you know, I think. I think science right now is actually helping us understand evil more, but it certainly has not gotten to a place where it is like eliminated evil um, or eliminated the horrible things that people are doing. Right. Um, that's definitely not the reality we live in. So there's that. Um, and I, I'm saying this because I think science is important. I think we have to maybe think of evil in a more scientific way. Uh, Brett and I had a, uh, a guest on recently, Harrison Coley, who is the editor of Political Ponderology. And this is a book we recommend yeah. often. And we talked to Carrie about this book on the show already. Uh, you know, read that book. I think it makes a pretty compelling argument that we can't just leave the question of evil to religion, to philosophy, to metaphysics, right? Sure, we use and we look at that knowledge because it's part of the wealth of knowledge, right? But we need to also use science in a way to try to understand what's going on here. So character disturbances and personality disorders and like things that do affect the chemistry of the brain. And absolutely, those things do have to do with what evil is, but they don't. 
they don't they don't eliminate it right they just kind of give us a, a framework of trying to understand what it is what it is as i i define it and to answer the question i guess is i do believe in evil i think evil is very real i think we should look at it um in a more strategic way uh brent and i are also into this like mystical philosopher from the early 20th century called Gurdjieff and Gurdjieff defined, yeah, I'm going to bring up Gurdjieff. Um, answer the question. Uh, mystical philosopher. Well, he, he, he's interesting because he looked at human beings and he said, we're like, we're like machines, you know, we're running programs and we're mechanical. We don't quite understand ourselves. We're almost living in a state of hypnotic sleep. We're different people from moment to moment even. And he defined evil as a uh, unconscious involuntary manifestation. Uh, basically pure mechanicalness. It's unthinkingness. It's just, so there's that aspect of it too, right? I think Hannah Arendt called it the banality of evils. I'm just following orders, right? It's mm. that mentality. It's like evil isn't always just the deliberate act of doing something horrible. It's also the person who turns away, who turns their conscience mm -hmm. on. Yes. So, and worse. Harrison was kind enough to gift us uh, bonus copies for all of the, uh, yeah. the panelists. Well, not all of everybody, but like- We're gonna bring guys. a couple copies of the book. So we have a copy for and... you guys. And oh, thanks. That's how uh, think this information is. We're just like, let's so put I, it in their hands. A couple like, of, I have like eight promo copies so we can give them out to people. Yeah, so any who's watching so uh we're gonna see mikey and i are gonna see these guys at the better discourse conference april 23rd just another plug for that it's happening in fort worth if you want to attend you can go to betterdiscourseevent.com and i'm so excited to get my copy of that book because you know i told you guys there have been i i can't even so many people have recommended this book to me recently nina infinity wow. michael rechtenwald who i believe wrote the uh the the intro yep I just talked with him. That interview is going to be He's coming brilliant. out soon. Nice. And he he recommended it. So that's going on our book club list after we finish the Fauci book. Yeah. Then then I'll have like, I have to put things I want to read on in the book club so that I actually get a chance to read them. My list is <laughs> ever growing, never ending. I'm like a book I've only got order, so. Fauci book. Yeah. So here's one uh, chat I wanted to put on the screen because this echoes what I was thinking about and it's where my conversation went with my friend. Uh, Russ Williams says science cannot eliminate evil because eliminating evil is only possible if you also eliminate free will. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And when I was arguing this with my friend, here's the point we arrived at. He doesn't believe in free will. Okay. So I want to go into this too, in regards to what I said earlier. So in, in the sense of evil coming from free will, I actually disagree with that based on the oh. definition I gave earlier of, you know, what Gurdjieff said evil was. True free will is to become more aware and less mechanical in a sense. And in a sense, evil comes from a lack of free will. It comes from that mechanicalness, that unthinkingness, right? That just machine-like mechanism of the universe, not consciousness coming into it and doing something deliberately, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And I think that's where a lot of evil does come from. And so it's like getting more free will, I think is almost how we eliminate evil, but that happens on a personal level in each individual. Like an individual has to want knowledge. They have to want to increase their free will, right? They have to want to understand the universe. I mean, more. there's a much simpler yeah. definition. You're talking about something very esoteric. I am. And very built into the nature of the development of an individual spirit or soul. I'm thinking more along the lines of pathological people, uh, people that get, uh, uh, 
get get a boost, get a dopamine hit from it, it causing harm yeah. or whether it's psychological harm or just social discomfort uh, or, you know, just getting a little bit of that uh, that duping uh, delight where they mm -hmm. convince you of something they know is untrue. Mm -hmm. Like these are the more like common forms of evil that I think that we can all see and recognize. And it, a good scientific way of understanding it is these are people who have personality disorders, specifically in the cluster yeah. B category. And there are traits and behaviors that, that are very common across those those groupings. I agree. And you don't even you, you don't need the mystical trappings to really think about this stuff. That's it's, not that's not like, you don't need the religious terminology, you don't need the philosophical terminology. I mean, you can have it's, that if you, you want to get into that yeah. level. I just well, uh wrong. The real question is you need both, but I think if someone is only going to be able to access this way of thinking about evil and at least acknowledging its reality, some people like aren't religious, right? Obviously we know that, but I think they can come to understand what we're saying here in regards to what evil is just from looking at it through this framework. And there is a mechanicalness to it. You can look at the brain chemistry, uh, injuries to the brain can change personalities and trauma in the womb and things like that. But also this, gen the genetic component, you know, how genetic is psychopathology? These are questions, I, I, that, you know, I would have to disagree with you about, about free will, but I think it probably, we probably we don't disagree as much as it sounds like we do. We might we might just have different definitions of what free will means. But um, I did want to put this quote up. Dion is the queen of quotes. She always puts really excellent ones in the chat. This is from C.S. Lewis. Uh, if a thing is free to be good, it is also free to be bad. And free will is what has made evil possible. Why then did God give them free will? Because free will though it makes evil possible is also the only thing that makes possible any love or goodness or joy worth having. CS I mean, lines. yeah, that's in line with kind of with how I think about it. And we possibly have different, cause you're talking about uh, someone doing evil being mechanical and, 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 and it not being, they need, they need to have more free will. I guess I could agree with that. If what I think, if I am, if I'm thinking of uh, being mechanical as being a slave to something like a slave. Yeah, well, I think not to, conscious. There's less consciousness yeah. there is what I'm talking about. You're but, trying to, but you're trying to yeah, really yeah. get a, con a concept. I understand, but this is why we're having the conversation, right? Yeah. But um, I think you I agree with you is there, there's different ways to define free will, I guess, in this sense. But um, I understand what, they're saying when they say free will. Well, that's the problem right yeah. there is you're operating with two different, completely two different definitions mm -hmm. of free will. You're talking about it in the Gurdjieffian sense. Which is why I explained be, it. It has to be earned <laughs> that we don't all have it by default. Mikey. Audiences think yeah. it's. Yes. Mikey, what do you think about all this? I'm going to interrupt you guys. I don't know. I think people make a lot of excuses for shit, you know? <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that's what you guys are doing. I just mean in general. No, yeah, no, for real. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I I don't know. I saw this video <laughs> in a Walmart of a woman sexually assaulting uh, a fruit stand. Oh, and I saw that. That's oh my god, I saw that kind of thing is that that's evil. It's just yeah. like this raw public expression of mental illness. Like, you know, like and obviously she needs help, but there have been uh, times where I, I see I see that here in New York on the streets. You just see like time. It's like just erupting. <laughs> often. And like to me, that's that's evil. And I don't think you hold mm -hmm. the individual necessarily uh, super like prime responsible in every case. But 
do you think there are demons? I, well, that's the the question is, you know, do we do we just accept that these are just people acting things out, or are they being pushed? Yeah. Like I, I made a meme by who? By what? More like not by who? Like so? Well, like like, like your mom says, Wanky. Uh, like by evil, by some kind of spiritual entity, a dark I, entity. Knows, not a new man. idea. It's like, not a new idea. <laughs> um, who knows? And you it's know, it's a little it, woo. It, it it could you know what we define as like demons it could be something else entirely that is just simply beyond our understanding. Again, I've mentioned we are interested in the alien phenomenon, the UFO subject, and there's a whole lot. We have a very that, limited so. perceptual range as far as yeah. what like you know light waves that we can see and sound waves that we can hear. There's weirder shit out there than people realize. Reality is really weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. And if I think we need to bring back asylums. Oh yes, that's a whole nother topic we could do is how, you know, I think it was in the seventies when they started shutting down a lot of mental health facilities. Which granted there was a lot of abuse to there the was a lot of stuff. So, you know, let's do away with that part of it, but also bring them back. We do need yes. a system of trying to figure out how to care for particular types of people like this, because, you know, look, you want to give them the free will and let them roam out there. And, and I'm sure that, and I know there are many people with mental illness who aren't violent but there are a lot who are and they do act out in really uh bad ways when they're pushed or triggered in in a particular way and or just randomly sometimes they just act out randomly so how does society deal deal with that uh i don't have all the answers for that but maybe because they just keep going in and out of the prison system too and then there's there's that as well and I don't know, but that's a whole different thing, you know, than psychopathology when we talk about that. That's not a crazy person in the sense of someone like suffering delusions or seeing things that aren't there. These people, they know exactly what they do, why they're doing it, who they're doing it to, right? That it's hurting them. They just, they don't care. There is whatever a conscience is, that mechanism is just they don't have it. not there to be turned yeah. on or off. It's just not there. I mean, it's we, amazing. Don't, we don't understand that. We're trying to understand what that is, how many people like this exist and, and what happens when they get into positions of power. Some stuff, people so. are demons. <laughs> you know, you could use that language is what I'm saying, but you could also use this language too. Some are angels. So There's I can swap a, between. It's like a metaphor, yeah. but it's also, it doesn't make it any less yeah, real. At less least that's real. just my, been my experience. That's how, that's how Peterson talks about it as well. And in the sense of when he says like a story can be like more real than reality sometimes because it, it takes all of these series of similar situations and condenses them into almost like a symbolic form that can explain, like, not explain, but, like, portray all similar type of situations. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. They're not, yeah. type, like, a union type of A way, metaphorical truth. A metaphor, yeah. There's a, there's a case, Mikey. We can, um, if you want, I'll bring info on it for tonight's show. But you made me think of it, you guys, and I'm, I'm looking up the name because I don't remember the name on this one. But this was also, this was a Texas one that happened. It was... Um, a son, maybe if somebody in the in the chat remembers the name, it was a son who um, arranged to have his whole family killed. And he lived, yeah, he lived a picture perfect life. You know how Ted Bundy said there was nothing in his childhood, that mm -hmm. nothing from his parents, there was no abuse, there was nothing <clears throat> that, that he could point to. This guy, same thing. He lived in a middle to upper class family. They provided everything for him. They were um, the center of social activity. They had 
um, people over for picnics all the time. It was a real, a family that was like a real part of the community. He um, went to, they thought he went to a good school. It, it ended up coming out later that much like uh, Casey Peterson, he had lied to his family. They thought he was in college for four years. He wasn't going. He had dropped out freshman year. Mm -hmm. And so they took him out to celebrate graduating college. Now this is four wow. years into his life with his family. And they bought him a fancy Rolex watch and there's photos of him <laughs> with his parents and his brother. Whole double life. Yeah. There's photos with him <laughs> that night at the at the celebratory dinner for his graduation that didn't happen. And while they were at dinner, he had paid two friends to wait at the house. And when they got home from dinner, these two friends attacked and killed his brother and his mom and shot his dad. His dad it was the only one that survived. And him. They they did a superficial wound to him of course uh, to make to throw them off right to throw them off and that guy um his father now that's an interesting story because his father forgave him his father uh was a christian he he said when he was in the hospital before he knew it was his son who did it and he thought it was uh, unknown perpetrators he was so overcome with wrath and vengeance that he prayed for god to take that away from him and, and God took it from him and he decided in that hospital bed, I forgive whoever it is that did this. And it wasn't until much later it came out that it was his son. And then his son went to um, uh, death row and his father spent all of these years since then advocating, going on talk shows, trying to get his son's um, death sentence commuted. And he did. And he did. It's the only person in Texas who's ever had their, their death sentence uh, reversed because his dad fought to keep off. But anyway, long story short, that guy, when you they've done interviews with him in prison, he doesn't have a conscience. Yeah. He doesn't feel bad about what he did. So, there, there's another book I, I need to bring up again. It's called Without Conscience. That's <laughs> the name of the book by uh, Dr. Robert Hare. And one of the things he, one of the questions he looks at in the book is, you know, the origins of this. Is it nature or is it nurture? Are they born this way or is it the environment that makes them this way, right? And he discusses the the child parent bond and how like when in those very first early formative years, right, especially in the first like year, there's just certain things that the mother has to do to bond with a child. And if that doesn't happen, does that make a psychopath later? And what they found was there were certain kids and there's all that, all types of taboo of like not diagnosing children to see if, you know, psychopaths and stuff. There's a lot of taboos for that. But they found there were certain kids that no matter what the parent did, uh, just that child bond was not being established. There was something in the kid almost that was preventing some of yes. this from happening. From there's a, there's a documentary on YouTube called Child of Rage. You can watch the whole thing for free. It's yeah. about a like child. Animals, they start killing animals. There's things they start doing later mm -hmm. in their childhood that are early signs of this, that there's like yeah. confidence there, but they don't always act out violently. And so the nature nurture thing, what I think happens is if there's a predisposition there to be a psychopath, what the environment will do is it'll determine if what type you get, right? So if you have a good environment, they can be more like charming and coercive and that sort of thing. And you might yeah. never know. Like they just pretend they seem totally yeah. normal. If you don't notice those little signs, they just seem totally normal. But if they're growing up in say like the ghetto and they're beat and they're, 
they might become violent. They might, that's how they get their way, right? They act right. out, use a gun. They become like a more antisocial personality type of criminal. They don't have that charm. They use aggression. So I think the environment kind of determines something, but there's something in the nature. I don't know what it it's is. It's nature and nurture, I think. I don't, I don't want to cut- a great point. Uh, this book, the so oh wait, I think it was Jules. Someone said it, I don't know. This book, uh, The Sociopath Next Door. I don't know if you guys have Martha, read that. Martha Stout, yeah, another book that we recommend as well. That made so many things make sense to me when I read that years ago. Because I think a lot of us, you know, for most of us, we won't deal with uh, violent, sick people or evil people. But it's everything from the irrational to so many people. I think it's something like one in, I forget how many, five, ten people are sociopaths. And what people forget, too, is like Ted Bundy dated people. These unsuspected sing women were like, oh, I have a date. He's so cute. He's That's Ted Bundy, true. by the way. That's all of these people that, my point is that though, yeah. that all these people that we're encountering in our lives. We've all met one. Or yeah, two. we've all met dozens. <laughs> and we're like, how is someone like this? How do they act like this? Why is this happening? It's like, just because their name isn't Ted Bundy, you know? So, it yeah, I've. Oh, just to say, it reminds me of the like historical uh, mythology that we have built around like monsters and mythological figures and characters. Like I think, and and those things, the the different the powers of the different creatures. Like a werewolf, a werewolf changes its shape when there, a certain condition is met, and like that is very descriptive of a borderline personality because borderlines are they have that thing where they're like really like love bombing you and like they're you know your best friend and then all of a sudden they snap on you and go mm -hmm. on a dime. And uh, I had a manager like that once who was it was very disturbing, <laughs> but th that's what it, it reminds me of is that 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 thing where they switch, they shape change. Uh, and then the siren, the siren would all, it was a mythological creature that was out at seas and they would sing this beautiful song with their voice that would attract men to, to come to them and then to throw themselves into the water and to die in the process because they were so allured by that song, that, that spell that was sung, that like the vocalization. So these people are, can be charming. They can be very convincing and then they'll convince you to follow them right yeah. to your demise. And that's like, that's I think psychopath too in, in the mythology and the lore but yeah i think there's a lot of um a, a lot of horror movies I and mean, that's again this is a whole other topic i'm super interested in but yeah, um uh, every all of these mythological creatures they have they have some basis in things that we are afraid of in humanity so you mentioned werewolves shape-shifting um same thing for zombies i mean zombie movies have always interested me yeah. um and the part of the zombie movie that I think is the most frightening and terrifying is when they first encounter like in a movie as on movie when they first encounter someone who they know, like a family member, but they don't know them anymore. Cause it's, but yeah. on the outside, they look the same, but they've been possessed by something. And, and there's a lot of, uh, uh, that's a great metaphor for, I think what happens with ideology sometimes, mm -hmm. um, you know, with, with people just becoming possessed by an idea or, an emotion or a, a belief system or something that changes them from the person that you knew, you know, um, and same thing for vampires. Um, I mean, any, any, if you, any look, uh, horror movie um, archetype, I think you could, you could write an it's entire book on. It's human. It probably beings, is a book on. It's human beings trying to explain a phenomenon. 
right? Yeah. And I think that like I this is where I really agree with Peterson, like I said earlier, in that that sense how of how a story or a symbol or a metaphor can like condense a truth, can kind of sum it up to its its point in a really immediate way. So. The something that has always reminded me of the same thing that scares me that I find terrifying about zombie movies is the movie. Did you guys see the movie Spirited Away? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. You know the film. Do you guys know the no, part? zombies? No, but there's this part that has the same terror for me, and it's it's the part where her parents are eating, just gorging themselves at the buffet, and they become oh, yeah. pigs. And they become pigs. And it just gives me that same just creepy feeling of some people that she knew, her parents, becoming something unhuman, you know. And it's an animated movie, but I don't know. It it made me – it gave me those same creepy crawlies. So – yeah, it's that idea. I just don't like zombie movies, I guess, because we have to deal with enough zombies in our regular lives. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good that's point, why, too. That's why the zombie meme resonates yeah. so widely. It's because we see it. You know, we Especially here in New York City, you go out on the street – People are staring at their phones walking on the street. Everywhere everywhere you go, people yeah. are on their phones, you know, like we've all done it to some extent. Looking down, you know, not really paying yeah. attention. And it's yeah, it's the mechanicalness. It goes back to what I was saying with Gertrude for we we've all done it to some extent. Just something on we're not even thinking about it. We're just yeah. doing doing just going. So so I've I don't want to keep you guys too long. I know Mikey has to run. Um I appreciate you video bombing us and oh, no, thanks for letting us chat. Glad we, we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Back there, Jimmy Sibyl or Savile, whatever his name. I'm is. gonna have you on for a whole show. Friend. Just call in and go tell him about Jimmy Seville. Like, don't listen. <laughs> yeah, we're excited so, to totally come down and see you guys and hang out and yeah. So I'm just to remind people if you wanna, uh, Mikey's gonna be hosting this Better Discourse conference on Saturday, April 23rd in Dallas, Texas. Better be funny, Mikey. You better laugh. I want good jokes. <laughs> These guys are gonna be there. Uh, I'm going to be moderating a couple panels. There's going to be speakers like uh, James Lindsay, Lauren Southern, Libby Evans, Colin Wright, uh, Sean Fitzgerald, actual Justice Warrior, Josh Slocum from Disaffected. Um, I know I'm forgetting people. There's a whole bunch of uh, Blair White is going to be there. So if you guys want to get tickets, if you want an excuse to come to a free state to come to Texas, you can go to (laughs) betterdiscourseevent.com and come hang out, have good conversations and uh appreciate you guys hanging out today we're gonna go out with the intro video you guys missed it at the beginning i played my husband's new song which is making oh, cool. me happy but oh, he also i was just gonna say eight eight o'clock eastern tonight yeah. true crime live on my youtube channel so subscribe to my youtube channel uh yes. my name tell people where to find you guys too oh um you can find us at dangerous rhetoric on youtube Definitely going to have to look us up because they hate us. Uh, we are Dangerous Ret on Twitter and Dangerous Rhetoric on Instagram. And if we ever get nuked from those places, you can always find us at www.dangerousrhetoric.com. I always want to say yeah, that. And there's on Spotify <laughs> and Rumble, too. Yeah, so. Spotify, Rumble. Mikey, tell people the name of your channel. Uh, it's just my name, Mike Harlow, Mike like Tyson, Harlow like Gene. YouTube, not Mike Harlow. Uh, Twitter is not Mike Harlow. Instagram sleepy Harlow. I had to add a damn underscore on Instagram so they would stop banning me to get myself off the ship list. So sleepy Harlow underscore. How horrible is that? But and I am sleepy so Harlow. 
great time. I'm so excited to hang out with you tonight. It's going to be seven o'clock Texas time, eight o'clock Eastern. We're going to be talking true we'll crime. Talk and then hang soon. out with you guys too. We're going to put on our detective hats. Ooh. <laughs> is right, your, de your detective hat is, says queen? <laughs> I was wearing that for Kieran the other day. <laughs> okay. Bye, guys. Thanks for hanging Bye. out. Thank you.